Welcome, everyone. Good to see you again. I've been around the world, I think, since I saw you last time. But always good to be back home, praise God. Joe and I leave uh, uh, Wednesday morning, I believe. We've got a meeting coming up in Canada, an extended meeting. Every time I go to this church, we just keep adding days. And the people don't want us to quit when it's over, praise God. So be in prayer for the meeting in Mississauga, Canada. It's right there near uh, Toronto. And uh, we're going to have a great time. We've been having meetings that have just been outstanding. We were in North Carolina and a couple of places in Florida over the last couple of weeks. And I'm telling you, the anointing just keeps getting stronger and stronger. And the, the glory of the Lord just keeps being outpoured. Praise God. Amen. We're living in some good times. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to continue talking today. This is my third session on the word the Lord gave me for 2018. You remember he told me, don't stop teaching, preaching, and emphasizing faithfulness. He said, eventually they'll get it. <laughs> faithfulness. The faithful shall flourish. The faithful shall abound in the blessings of God. And then he went on to say, tell them that it'll be days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. Days of glory. That means the manifested presence, power, and goodness of God. Sounds like to me, we are headed for some great times. Amen. How many of you have uh, experienced flourishing already this year? Amen. And it's not even over yet. I'm, I'm in the process of experiencing a great, great breakthrough. I can't tell you about it just yet, but soon I will, praise God. It's, it's hard for me to hold it back, but uh, it is, trust me, flourishing. Hallelujah. Amen. Isaiah chapter 60 this is an important book in the Bible. The book of Isaiah is extremely important because it contains prophecies. It contains revelations. It contains glimpses of Jesus hundreds of years before he ever came to the earth. It reveals his earthly ministry. It reveals his death and his resurrection. It's an important book. You ought to... If you haven't read it, read it. If you've only read a portion of it, read all of it. If you've done all of the above, do it again. <laughs> Amen. I want to give you just a brief history of what's happening here before we get into Isaiah chapter 60. I read one theologian stated that Isaiah 60 inaugurates a season of revelation. In Jerusalem, at the time of this writing, living conditions were extremely difficult. Jerusalem was in ruin. The people were divided, not by some enemy force, but among themselves. If you read chapters 58 and 59, they both are characterized by gloom and despair. And the morale was generally low among all the people. But the opening verse of Isaiah chapter 60 sets a new tone. It shifts from doom and despair to light and glory. It's God's attempt to bring them out of their present spiritual condition and to take them into a new dimension. It's his way of showing them that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And he's still showing people that today. It's a new day. Things are about to get extremely better for the people in Isaiah's day. This is not only a glimpse of their future, but ours as well. Full of light, full of glory, and that will also bring about tremendous prosperity. Another theologian used this word to describe what's happening in Isaiah chapter 60. He said the word reversal is the word that best describes the hope that is expressed in this chapter. 
through God's manifested presence, power, and goodness, the oppressed will be set free. Those that have been stripped of resources will be restored. And wealth will come like never before. Hallelujah. But does this prophecy apply to you and I? I believe it does. Because you'll notice here the opening sentence or the opening verse is, Arise and shine, for thy light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Now that describes the condition of the earth during the days of Isaiah. But it also is a description of our day. Darkness is covering the earth. And darkness generally represents sin. Sin is running rampant in the earth today. I've never known a time where sin is so prevalent. What used to be done behind closed doors is out in the open now. In fact, you can march to Washington and get the right to do it. Some senator will agree with you and pass a bill that legalizes whatever you want to do. The Bible talks about there will come a day when they'll call evil good. And that's the day we're living in right now. So if you don't think that this prophetic word applies to us, darkness is in the earth today. Can you say amen? amen? However, the good news is, thy light has come. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Thy light has come. Amen. The body of Christ today desperately needs the same admonishment that Isaiah is giving through uh, being the voice of God, is giving to these people. Arise and shine. And notice it's not a suggestion, it is a command. Arise and and shine. Look at somebody and say, arise and shine. We need that commandment today just as they did. For many, the light is not shining brightly anymore due to the darkness that has attempted to overtake them. It has become dim and it's no longer spontaneous in a lot of believers. The spirit of the world has attempted to put out the light altogether. Simply because the God of this world, which is Satan, doesn't want us to have the kind of influence that the Bible says we will have when darkness covers the earth. He wants the, the light in us to grow dim. That's the reason there's so many today barely glowing Christians. A lot of them, I call them holy smoking. (laughs) Smoke indicates there once was a fire there. Satan cannot afford for us to shine brightly. Because Isaiah said also in this chapter that the Gentiles shall come to thy light. The Gentiles represent the unbelieving world. And he says they will come to your light. They will be drawn to the light. You know, Satan always overplays his hand. He'll push and push and push and push until he finally pushes them right into God. Even the vilest of sinners eventually become sick of sin. And Satan is overplaying his hand right now. Where sin abounds, grace does much more. You don't think for one minute God is ever going to let the devil have the upper hand. Read the back of the book. We win, folks. Can you say amen? We win. The light of Christ in us will draw them. And this is something that Satan hopes will never happen. But he can hope all he wants. Because the Bible has declared that there is going to be a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days of which the world has never seen before. Can you say amen? Amen. And I plan to be right in the middle of it. How about you? Hallelujah. I want you to go ahead and lift your hands and thank God in advance.
Hallelujah. Praise God. And let me encourage you, don't give up on your loved ones. They're coming in. Don't give up on your children. They're going to make it, praise God. Hallelujah. You just keep interceding for them. They'll eventually grow weary of sin. Can you say amen? Amen. So here Isaiah describes that it's a new day and God is ushering in his glory like they had never seen before. And the same is true for us today. So let's read this, at least the first six or seven verses. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Underline that phrase. His glory shall be seen upon thee. I've probably shared this here before. In fact, I know I have, but it's worthy of repeating. A number of years ago, I was, uh, had come home from a trip. I'd been overseas, actually, for a number of about a couple of weeks. And I got home and uh, I was looking forward to just relaxing before I had to go out again. So I went into my study <clears throat> and I turned my television set on. I have a, a pretty good size set that's built in my bookcases. And uh, I always just keep my TV on the Western channel. <laughs> Amen. I like Westerns, especially the old ones. I don't care much for the new ones, but the old Westerns, you know, John Wayne, Audie Murphy, Gene Autry, you know, all them old Westerns. And uh, so I turned my television set on and just as I did, my favorite John Wayne Western was coming on, The Searchers. I love The Searchers. And uh, I've, I've watched that I don't know how many times. And you... you have heard me tell this story before, but once again, I want to, I want to repeat it because it's, it isn't a good example of what he's talking about here. The light, the glory shall be seen on you. And so I turned the television set on and, and, uh, the opening scene to the searchers. So man, I ran in the kitchen, got some popcorn and a Coke and something, <laughs> come back and was ready to relax and enjoy it. And, uh, just as it was getting started good, I heard these words. How will they know it's the glory? I said, not now, Lord. John Wayne's coming on. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm watching, you know, and he said, but how will they know it's the glory? I said, Lord, can this wait? And he said it again. How will they know it's the glory? He said, most Christians don't know the glory. How will sinners know it's the glory? Well, that got my attention big time. So I turned the television set off and opened my Bible to Isaiah chapter 60. It says very clearly that the glory will be seen upon thee and the Gentiles shall come. They'll be drawn by it. Notice how the glory and the light seem to be interchangeable here. And the Lord said, most of my people don't know the glory when they see it. How will sinners know it's the glory? Sinners don't go around talking about the glory. Amen. Now, most Christians, if you were to ask them, what is the glory? They'll talk about, you know, maybe smoke, light, Lightning, thunder, you know, some amazing miracle in the Bible like the splitting of the Red Sea. But most Christians haven't known. You know, because I've taught you, that it's the manifested presence, power, and goodness of God. That's what the glory is. Now, it can come in many forms. It can come in smoke. It can come in the form of, of uh, light and Thunder and all of those other things. But it, we're not going to be walking around with thunder emanating from us. And lightning emanating from, from us. And some sinners said, 
whoa, that's the glory. <laughs> no. So how will they know it's the glory? And why will it attract them? Because part of the goodness of God is prosperity. They will know it as prosperity. They may not call it the glory, but that's exactly what it is. The glory of the Lord is producing prosperity. And they will see it and they will be drawn to it. Now, when would be the most opportune time for this to happen? When the world's falling apart financially. Amen. When people don't know where to turn financially to get financial help. Well, our world has become that way. And apparently it's going to get worse. But praise God, the Bible says, the glory will be seen upon you. In the form of the presence of God, the power of God. And the goodness of God. Can you say amen? Amen. And it will be a tool that will attract people. Now, notice he says, The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And so since the glory is the manifested presence, power, and goodness of God, then I believe Isaiah is saying, That we are headed for some of the greatest days of our lives. Hallelujah. This has been prophesied not only from Isaiah. You see it in the book of Proverbs. You see it in the the prophecies uh, that, that Jesus spoke of. That Paul spoke of. Many prophetic words in the Bible talk about last day's prosperity of the church just before the appearing of Christ. Amen. Now, is every member of the body of Christ going to prosper? Not necessarily. There is a stipulation. It says the faithful shall abound. The faithful shall flourish. We're not talking about people that are up one day and down the next and they're with God one week and they're not the next and You know, we're not talking about people that just call themselves Christians. You know, I mean, it's hard to to walk around in the streets of Fort Worth, Texas and and find somebody that'll say that they're not a Christian. If if they've been to church once, they consider themselves a Christian. If they were born in a Christian family, they consider themselves a Christian. But a real Christian is a devoted follower of Christ. Amen? A devoted follower of Christ. Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So people that don't do what he says, are they truly followers of Christ? Can you say amen? amen? Now, I'm not trying to place judgment on anybody, but at the same time, um, I'd just rather go on and do what he says, live the way he says I should live, why take a chance? (laughs) Amen. I don't want to miss out. Somebody said, uh, are you pre, mid, or post tribulation? Pre, of course. Why would I want to stick around for that? Amen. I'm checking out, praise God. When he says, come up here, I am not going to stay down here. Can you say amen? amen? So why take a chance? Why play games with this? Why play church with it? Why don't you just get this devoted and dedicated as you possibly can? You know, I, I, I see people that are, uh, you know, that, that are not saved, that are deeply devoted to sin, to unrighteousness. You know what I mean? They, they are, they, they're deeply devoted and, and believe in their cause and so forth. And it takes an, uh, 
a manifestation of God's power, presence, and goodness to even shake them from what they believe and what they're doing. Why aren't Christians more like that? Deeply devoted. Let your neighbor say, deeply devoted. devoted. Amen. So many Christians today is just, it's kind of a take it or leave it kind of thing. I've been, I've been doing this now, come February, 49 years. And I've never once thought about going back. (laughs) To what? (laughs) To what? Well, I had it better before I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Are you kidding me? You call going to hell better? I don't. You, you call being in bondage to a spiritual outlaw named Satan better? I don't. In fact, my life didn't start getting better until the day I made Jesus Lord of my life. Amen. Amen. And it has progressively gotten better over the years, praise God, and to the point that it is far better than I ever possibly dreamed it would be. That's what the message translation says. I've come that you might have life and have it better than you dreamed possible. Hallelujah. I'm living that kind of life right now. Amen. Amen. Jesus has indeed been good to Jerry Savelle. And I'm not about to turn my back on him now. Can you say amen? amen? So notice here, we are headed for some of the greatest days of our lives. At the same time, the world is experiencing its darkest hour, the body of Christ will be experiencing its brightest hour. Their days are getting darker. Ours are getting brighter. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Several verses in the Bible talk about days of darkness, which will be one one of the signs that will precede the coming of the Lord. It'll get darker and darker and darker. But God is not going to allow Satan to win. Once again, when sin abounds, grace does much more. So let's remember the Apostle Paul said that God is coming for a glorious church. Say a glorious church. I think that's an interesting phrase, a glorious church. What would be a glorious church? A church that is full of the glory. Come on. A church that is experiencing its greatest hour. Manifestations of God's presence, power, and goodness like never before. Can you say amen? Amen. It's a group of people that are totally dedicated, devoted to Him, and they're experiencing their finest hour. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9 says, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former house. Amen. The manifestations of God's presence, power, and goodness that you've read about in the Old Testament, nothing compared to where we're headed. Can you say amen? Amen. Nothing compared to where we're headed. The glory of the latter house will be far greater than the glory of the former house. Amen. God calls splitting red seas minor manifestations. (laughs) I call it major. But God considers it minor compared to where we're headed. What do you suppose God is working on right now? And has been working on for a long, long time. Can you say amen? Praise God. Thy light is come. The only thing that can dispel light or or darkness is light. The glory of God will be manifesting in our lives to such a level that the Gentiles will be drawn to it. They will not be able to resist it. I was... um, I was in a place one time where there was a bunch of spiritual, well, spiritually dead people, uh, a bunch of uh, uh, outlaw bikers. And uh, I didn't know they were outlaws when I drove up there. Uh, I, I saw them 
off the highway up in Oklahoma. And I saw them off the highway in the woods, looked like they were having uh, uh, just a bunch of bikers having a rally. Had a flatbed truck and speakers on it and everything and a lot of bikes and looked like they were, you know, having a show and so forth. And so I was riding back. I'd been up in Oklahoma and I was just out there by myself and I was riding back home. And I decided to stop and, and uh, go see what's going on over there. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> and when I got over there, I found out I was in the midst of an outlaw biker rally. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, they, they didn't know who I was. I didn't, I didn't have a sign on my bike, preacher, you know. <laughs> I had as cool a bike as they were riding. In fact, I was riding a bike that had been built for me. There was a custom one-of-a-kind bike. And so I pulled up in there, and the guy said, uh, hey, did you come for our show? I said, well, I just happened to see you guys over here. I just wanted to come and see what's going on. He said, well, put your bike in our show. I said, okay. So I put my bike in their show and uh, walked around and looked at all the bikes. And that's when I began to realize um, these are not my people. You know? <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, but they were friendly, you know, and, and uh, so in a little while, he said, uh, we're going we're gonna to have the, uh, uh, reveal the winners of the different classes. He said, are you going to stick around for it? I said, well, sure. I don't have to be back, you know, real quickly. So I stuck around for it. I'm sitting out there with this crowd, you know, and, and uh, so the MC, he said, uh, uh, where is Jerry Savell? I raised my hand. He said, come on up. He said, uh, you just won the best of show in our show here, bike show. And he brought out this trophy man who's almost tall as me. You know? <laughs> he said, not only that, but you won the best uh, in your category. And he brought out another trophy a custom bike trophy, then the best of show. So I had two trophies there. And the guy said, and where do you live? I said, Fort Worth, Texas. He said, and what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. <laughs> he said, a preacher? What are you doing here? <laughs> I said, well, I'm a preacher who likes to ride motorcycles. And I saw you guys were having something going on over here. So I just decided to stop and take a look. He said, well, don't preachers preach? I said, yes, we do. Amen. He said, does anybody want to hear the preacher? He took all our trophies. Do you want to hear the preacher? <laughs> and I'm looking out there, you know, and I'm standing next to this guy on, the flat, on this flatbed truck. And I'm looking out there and they would let him preach. You know, <laughs> turned up their beer and smoking their joint, you know. I guess that's how you do it. I don't, I don't know how to do it, but Jesse told me that's the way you do it. <laughs> so I preached, gave an invitation. 10 or 15 of them lifted their hand, came forward and got saved. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. So uh, after I got through, he said, well, uh, where are you going now? I said, well, I'm headed back to Fort Worth. He said, well, won't you spend the night with us? Tomorrow's Sunday. Don't preachers preach on Sunday? I said, yes, we do. He said, anybody want the preacher to stay and let him preach again tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, let him preach. <laughs> you know. And I stayed over the next day and another 20 or so won, uh, won to the Lord. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. What was happening? The glory that was on me. The light that was on me was drawing them. But the light was in the form of a bike as cool as theirs. <laughs> Prosperity. Amen. It was, it, God used it as a tool. Now, if I'd have driven up there and, you know, a truck or, uh, or something, they probably wouldn't even paid any attention to me. But the fact, and, and God blessed me with that bike. A guy, a, a custom builder built that bike for me. 
And uh, God used it as a tool to win people, to draw them to me. Praise God. Thy light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And it will be used as a great tool to win people to Christ. Amen. The world thinks that Christians are just helpless, hopeless, weak, do-nothing, lazy people that need a crutch. Well, God's about to show them that we are not that at all. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Praise God. The Gentiles shall come to thy light. I know I've told you this story, but it's, it's a, certainly a great example of this. I was preaching over Grace Temple one night. <clears throat> Actually, I'd been there three or four nights. And uh, we got out of the service, and there had been a very strong anointing in that meeting. And Carolyn told me to get on the passenger side, and we were going to drive home. And so we were headed home, and she said, I need to stop at the 7-Eleven to get a carton of milk. I said, fine. So uh, when she pulled up in front of the 7-Eleven, I started to get out to get it. She said, no, just sit there. Uh, I'll, I'll go get it. I said, no, I'm fine. I'll go get it. Because a lot of times when the anointing is really strong on me, it, it just kind of collects in my legs, and I can't, I can't move. I can't walk. I can't. Sometimes I've been known to be carried out. <laughs> I was in Toronto one night, and I said, people are going to get so drunk and the Holy Ghost in here tonight, you'll have to be carried out. I didn't realize I'd be the first one they carried out. <laughs> and so I got out of the car, and when I walked in, I headed toward the refrigerator section to get some milk. Now, you know how 7-Eleven is. It's all glass. You can see everything in there from your parking lot. And I went to get the milk, and I brought it up to the counter, and I noticed a man standing here looking at a pornographic magazine. And when, he, when I set the milk on the counter and reached for my billfold, I, I just did it all in one motion. I just turned and looked at him, and my eyes fell on his eyes. And when he looked at me, he fell to his knees. He dropped that book, fell to his knees, and said, My God, who are you? I said, uh, I'm Jerry Savelle. He said, You convict me. I hadn't said a word to him other than answer his question. I'm Jerry Savelle. He said, you convict me. I'm a sinner. Pray for me. So I leaned down there and laid my hands on him, led him in the sinner's prayer. He made Jesus Lord of his life. Praise God. God filled with the Holy Ghost right there on his knees in the 7-Eleven. So when I got through, I reached to get my billfold because I never had gotten it out after, you know, he had he, uh, expressed himself this way. And I reached for my billfold, got the money out. And when I turned to give it to the man behind the counter, he was crying and said, me too, me too, me too. I led them both to the Lord, got them both filled with the Holy Spirit, came back, set the milk down in the seat, and we drove home. And I'm wondering, what was that all about? And the Lord said, they saw the glory. They saw the glory. Fred Price and I were preaching up in uh, Omaha, Nebraska one time years ago. And we had been up there for a week doing a faith conference. And Brother Price and I would uh, go back to back in these services. And so uh, Betty, his wife Betty, and Carolyn were going to fly in to join us at the close of those meetings. Spend uh, the last three or four days with us. And so they came, and, uh, or they were flying there. And I decided to go to the mall and buy Carolyn a, a present. And so I went to the mall and I bought her this necklace. So I had it wrapped and everything. And when she came in, I had it sitting on the desk there in the hotel room. Presented it to her. And uh, somehow in the process, something got broke on it. So we were going to take it back and exchange it. So we took it back to the store and they exchanged it. And we were coming down the escalator. And, and I'm standing here and Carolyn's next to me. And this woman, about 
three or four steps ahead of us. She turned around and looked at me and she said, stop it, stop it. Well, everybody turned around and I turned around to see who was bothering her. And everybody went like this, you know, and she turned around again. The most hateful look you've ever seen. Stop it. Stop it. I know who you are. Stop it. I thought, well, who is she talking to? Ain't nobody bothered her. Crazy woman, you know. <laughs> and in a little while, she got down to the bottom floor, you know. And I'm still on the escalator coming down. And when she come around the corner, she looked right at me and said, you stop it. You stop it. I know who you are. I said, she's talking to me. And Carolyn said, what would you do to her? I said, I didn't, I didn't say a word to her. And people are looking at me, you know, with this inquisitive look like, what did you do? What did you say that made her react like that? I hadn't done a thing. And when she got around the corner, she stopped after we turned the corner. She stopped and looked at me again. And suddenly I realized what was happening. The anointing was still on me. I just come out of that service. And she was reacting to the anointing. That, that spirit in her was reacting to that anointing. And when I realized what was happening, then I, I just, you know, walked up to her. I said, ma'am, let me pray for you. You're, you're obviously uh, oppressed by an evil spirit. Let me pray for you. I prayed for her. People gathered around there. They watching it like it was, a, you know, part of the shopping trip, you know. <laughs> and they watched me cast the devil out of her, get her saved, praise God, filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we headed back to the room, Carolyn said, what was that all about? I said, well, it dawned on me that the anointing was still on me and she was attracted to it. That evil spirit realized, you know, you remember in the, in the Bible where those demoniac people came running to Jesus? What have we to do with thee, thou son of God? Leave us alone. He hadn't done anything, just showed up. Do you suppose that when the glory of the Lord is in manifestation at the level that Isaiah is prophesying about. We're going to hear more and more stories of this, like this. Not just to preachers, but members of the body of Christ. Church members, praise God. You're walking around in the grocery store and they'll see the glory on you. They'll be drawn to the glory. Amen. The manifested presence, power, and goodness of God. Folks, we're headed for some great times. Put a smile on your face. Sing it again. Happy days are here again. Hallelujah. Amen. Stay faithful. You don't want to miss out on this. Can you say amen? Amen. And we're not talking about a hundred years from now. It's on us right now. And it's getting brighter. It's getting greater. These are the days of the greater glory. Hallelujah. Say it with me. These are the days of the greater glory. It also requires us to get closer to God. You don't expect the glory to increase on your life. The manifestation of the presence, the power, and the goodness of God to increase in your life if you're getting further and further away from God. No, get closer to Him. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 and verse 11 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Our command is the same as that of the people in Isaiah's day. Arise and shine. Show this dark world that we live in. This dark world in whom Satan has blinded the minds of those Unless they see the glorious light of the gospel. Show them that the God that we serve is a good God. The God we serve is a faithful God. And the God we serve, he blesses righteous people. He blesses faithful people. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? That's God's promise to the faithful. 
And when the world sees it, they're going to be drawn to it. The more faithful we become, then the brighter we'll shine. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The blessings of God on the faithful act as a magnet. It gets the attention of others, even the non-believers. Not only does Isaiah say that they'll be drawn to us, but it also says they will show forth the praises of the Lord. Notice there's, we're talking about conversions here. That just because they see the glory on us, the goodness, the power, the presence of Almighty God, it will cause them to become like us and they'll begin to show forth the praises of God. Can you say amen? amen? That sounds like to me, great evangelism is going to take place. <clears throat> great soul winning is going to take place. Can you say amen? amen. Look at somebody saying, I plan to be right in the middle of it. Amen. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 14, the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. When people see the goodness of God manifesting in our lives, eventually they're going to ask, how are you doing this? Where are you getting all this? And we'll just simply say it's the God we serve. And the goodness of God on our lives will lead them to repentance. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. What a great time we're living in. What a great time we are living in. Get ready for an outpouring of God's glory like you have never experienced before, like no one in the body of Christ has ever experienced before. Now listen to this. Psalm 31, 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee or reverence thee. The psalmist is telling us that God has so much more goodness that we've never experienced and he's waiting for the proper time to begin to disperse it. Hallelujah. Now, I read a, a commentary one time years ago, and I remember a portion of it. And it said, when God sees that we have grown and we have become mature, he begins to release more and more of it. And I thought, I remembered thinking it back then, and I thought it again uh, in the last few days. When, when my grandchildren were born, uh, I, I established a trust fund for each one of them. As uh, soon as they were born, I, I contacted my uh, CPA and, and established a trust fund. And I faithfully contribute to that fund every month. Now, you know, Mark James is 27 years old. Preston's 25. And Cassidy's 21. And Madison is, you know, 19. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, and they've begun to uh, make withdrawals from their trust funds. Uh, Mark James and Preston got automobiles and were able to pay cash for new automobiles from their trust fund. Okay? And uh, a portion of, of uh, uh, Casties went to her car and some education. And Madison just started Texas Tech back in September. And... Her, her first semester is paid for and getting ready to pay for the second semester. Okay. So I remember when Mark James was about three years old, he started understanding a little more about this trust fund. So he wanted to know every time he saw me, Papa, when can I have it? <laughs> you don't give children trust funds or let them draw, withdraw from it at three years old. Now, at, let's see, he was nine years old, and I took him to uh, uh, London, UK with me for, for a preaching trip. And then when we got through, we were going to spend a couple of days in London, and, and uh, I was going to take him shopping and, you know, and something, uh, uh, see some sights and all that. It was a, like a birthday. So the last meeting, I was in Wales. The last meeting, I was doing a, a minister's conference 
And Mark James, he was sitting on the front row every service. And when I got ready to pray for people, he'd come up and he'd take my Bible and my notebook and, and he'd hold it. Sometimes I'd have him come up and lay hands on people with me because I wanted him to experience the anointing. And so he was just a helper, man. He was just, he doing everything I asked. And a lot of times I didn't even have to ask. He was already waiting for it, you know, waiting to, to, to do whatever needed to be done. Well, the, the pastor that had formed that minister's conference was so impressed with how attentive he was, how quiet he was, how, how he behaved. Uh, uh, he wasn't fidgety. He sat there and listened to every word, you know. And afterwards, he made a comment about that. And he said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have been watching Brother Savell's grandson and I'm so impressed with this young man and how behaved he is and how he helps his grandfather, how he honors his grandfather. He said, uh, I want to receive an offering for Mark James. He said, his grandfather told me that they're going to London after the service and they're going to spend a couple of days and he's going to take his grandson shopping. It's his birthday and so forth. And, and uh, they're just going to see some sights and then fly back home. He said, so I want to receive an offering from Mark James. <laughs> it was uh, 750 pounds, which is over $1,000. <laughs> and when Mark James realized how much it was, his eyes got so big. Papa, let's go shopping. <laughs> now, he wanted me to take him because he knows his papa likes Louis Vuitton. I'm a Louis Vuitton man. And so he wanted me to take him to Louis Vuitton. I said, you're not going to Louis Vuitton. Why, Papa? I got $1,000. I said, no, you're not going to spend that $1,000 at Louis Vuitton. Why not, Papa? I said, no, you're not going to do that. I'll give you some of it, and then we're going to put some in savings. And he didn't like that idea at all. So he said, but can we go to Louis Vuitton so I can just look? I said, yeah. So they had, they had some tennis shoes. It was his size, Louis Vuitton tennis shoes. And they were, they were, I don't know, 600 bucks or something like that. Just because they had LV on them. Oh, his eyes got so big. Papa, I want those shoes. I said, no, you're not getting those shoes. He said, why not? I said, your foot is growing. By the time we get home, you'll have outgrown the shoes. And what are we going to do with $600 pair of Louis Vuitton tennis shoes that you can't wear? Well, he didn't like that idea. So I did take him to uh, the Nike store. And he bought a nice pair of little uh, tennis shoes, you know. And, of course, I knew he, in, in a month or so, he'd outgrow them. But we're not spending $600 on a pair of tennis shoes, you know. Well, that's the reason why God has in reserve. Because if he'd have given it to you when you first got saved, you'd be looking for a handout now. Most people. Amen. Most people are not frugal. <laughs> Most people would have blown it. Yes, sir. Did you ever read any of the stories of people that win the lottery? Most of them, they blow it. They're back to nothing in just a short time. Why? Well, they've never handled prosperity. That's the reason you don't give a baby steak. <laughs> you don't give baby Christians an open treasury. They have to grow. They have to understand what it's for. It's not to be consumed on us. It's so we can be a blessing to humanity. It's so that we can bring uh, the gospel, take the gospel to the world and bring them to Christ. Hallelujah. It's not a problem with God making us wealthy. The problem is, what would you do with it if you were? And would you still have any of it? Getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. 
God's been waiting for us to grow. He's been waiting for us to mature. He's been waiting for it to become a revelation to his people. Now, some have it. And those that have it, I'm talking about the revelation, you, you just look. They keep growing. They keep, they keep flourishing. They keep abounding because they know they're not to consume it all on themselves. They're blessed to be a blessing. Now, most people don't know that when they first come to Christ. If God was just to open the windows and pour out blessings that you couldn't contain, when you're a baby Christian, you don't have insight, revelation of what prosperity is for. You'd be just like Mark James wanting Louis Vuitton shoes that he'd outgrow in a month. Amen. So the question is, have you grown any? <laughs> are you more mature now? Well, I believe you are, praise God. Go ahead and lift your head. I've grown some, Brother Jerry. I'm more mature now. Look at your neighbor and say, I believe I can handle more. God can trust me with more. Well, that was weak. I'm not sure if you're, you're convinced. You haven't convinced yourself yet. Amen. Why? He's got all this goodness in reserve. He's just been waiting for the proper time. Once again, when he sees that we have grown and become more mature, then he begins to release more and more. Amen. You could look at it as a trust fund. Got your name on it. And it's just waiting for you to show God that you can be trusted with it. Give the Lord a good shout, praise God. Amen. Now, you'll notice in verse 5 of Isaiah chapter 60, it says, The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. And the word forces in the literal Hebrew is the word wealth. The wealth of the sinner. The ungodly will come to you. The Amplified says, the abundant wealth. That goes right along with Proverbs 13, 22. The wealth of the sinner is laid up. Notice these things that are laid up for faithful people. One translation says, uh, for Psalm 31, 19, uh, that it's hidden as a treasure for the faithful. So God has this Wealth, this prosperity, laid up. He considers it goodness. Laid up for the faithful. The uncompromisingly righteous. The Amplified says, and it finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it was laid up. It will find its way eventually into the hands of the righteous. For whom it was laid up. I've had happen to me over the years a number of times where the ungodly would, would bless my ministry and didn't know why they were doing it. So I explained it to them. You're the ungodly, I'm the righteous. If you don't get saved at all, wind up in my hands. That's how I led one guy to the Lord back uh, in 1969 when I first came to the Lord. He was just a rank sinner, but he was attracted to what God was doing in my life. And he, he, he couldn't figure out why he was attracted. He didn't, want to, he didn't want me preaching to him. He didn't want to hear about my God, but he just, he called me and said, come tell me what you're doing. I'm intrigued with what you're doing in the streets. I was just a street preacher back then. And finally he called me into his office and he said, I can't sleep at night. I can't get you off my mind. I don't know why I'm doing this. And he just started taking money out of his pockets and just throwing them at my feet. He said, why am I doing this? I said, well, Proverbs says, the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. And this was an extremely wealthy man. His family owned several wealthy businesses in, in Shreveport, Louisiana at the time. And I said, the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. I said, Bob, you're the sinner. I'm the just. 
you don't get saved, I'm going to wind up with everything you got. He said, oh my God. And he fell to his knees. Pray for me. I prayed for him, led him to the Lord. And he has been a faithful deacon in his church for 49 years. Hallelujah. Amen. I was driving through Shreveport two years ago. And I stopped on I-20 at the uh, uh, Cracker Barrel restaurant. And I'm eating my food. I was on my way to Mississippi. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, you remember me? I said, Bob, I'll never forget you. You were the first man who invested in my ministry. And you were investing in my ministry when you wasn't even saved. He said, well, I'm still saved, brother. And I'm still serving God. And I've been faithful. He said, and his exact word, you scared hell out of me that day. (laughs) Praise God. Well, whatever works. Hallelujah. uh, Once again, it says, the Amplified says, it will find its way eventually. Do you suppose we're getting closer and closer to that place called eventually? I think we're going to start hearing more and more testimonies of the wealth of the sinner coming into the hands of the righteous. The message translation says, it will end up with good people. Proverbs 15, 6, in the house of the righteous is much treasure. What was the religious world when these scriptures were written? Why didn't we hear anything about this growing up? You know, all I heard was Christians supposed to be poor. The poorer you are, the more godly you are. You know, the church said, Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. That's, who, that's, that's what they said about their pastor. But here the Bible says, the righteous will have much treasure in their house. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 7 says, for your shame, you, have, you shall have double. The message translation says, because you got a double dose of trouble, your inheritance will be doubled. <laughs> Amen. I was preaching this one time and Jesse DePlantis told me after the service, he said, if what you preach today is true, I just got too expensive for the devil to mess with. <laughs> Amen. I heard Creflo Dollar say it this way, double for your trouble. Amen. Double for your trouble. The New Living Translation says, you'll possess a double portion of prosperity. God fully intends to reward your faithfulness. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are just ahead of you. First Corinthians chapter two and verse nine. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. Hallelujah. Message says no one's ever seen or even heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. And Paul further says in Ephesians 2, 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Uh, Some other translations say future generations. And still another translation says successive generations. So what is he saying? God has laid up things that belong to the faithful. That we have not even heard of. Our hearts have not even conceived. Man, I wish I could tell you what's about to happen. But anyway, I, I, I'll just go this far. I got a call the other night. <laughs> Ooh, glory. Yeah, that's what it is. Glory. And if this thing goes through, glory to God. And I'm believing it will. Yeah, you just keep saying it will. Amen. And, and, and the moment I got off the phone with this person, I heard the Spirit of God say, that's things that have been waiting. Yeah. 
that's part of what you just read in 1 Corinthians 2. Things which I have prepared. Amen. Things which I have prepared. They're all out there waiting for us, praise God. These are days of glory. These are days of flourishing. These are days of abounding for the faithful. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. When I was in um, North Miami the other day, I was there for what, Joe, three or four nights, five nights, something like that. And one afternoon in prayer, the Lord said, I want you to pray over these things for faithful people in these services, not just there, but wherever I go. And if you hear something here that you've been believing God to happen in your life in the way of a financial breakthrough, I want you to stand. Uh, And I'm not talking about you just thought of it when I said it, but it's something you've been believing for. You've been pursuing grants. You've been pursuing scholarships. Money owed to you. Favorable settlements. Supernatural debt reduction. Sale of houses. Raises and bonuses. Blocked inheritances. Greater return on investments. Recovery from scams. Recovery from identity theft. Well, it looks like everybody in here, just like it was in that, in that church in Miami. Hallelujah. Are you going to believe with me for this? It's yours. It belongs to you, praise God. Can you say amen? And apparently, God knows it. He's interested in helping. He wants to do something about it. So you just lift up your hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand in agreement with my friends and partners and church members in this congregation. These are the days of the greater glory. Days of flourishing and days of abounding. It's time, Lord, that these kind of breakthroughs take place in the lives of your people, the faithful. It's time for these settlements and it's time for these blocked inheritances. It's time for people that have money owed to them, genuinely owed to them, be paid back. You said the righteous will be recompensed in the earth, not when we get to heaven. We don't need it when we get to heaven. We need it now. It's payback time. We break the power of the enemy who is who is responsible for withholding what belongs to God's people. He has no right to do so. And we break His power. We command release in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we come to a close of 2017, I'm believing during the first quarter of 2018 that there are going to be testimonies from this group of people of some major, major financial breakthroughs in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We decree it. You said whatever we decree will be established. And we expect it to come to pass. Therefore, we'll talk of it. We'll be careful to see to it you are praised for it in the name of Jesus 
And Lord, we promise that we can be trusted with all that you bring into our hands and that we will do what you expect us to do. We'll not be hoarders. We'll be distribution centers. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it. If you believe it, give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, give the Lord your best shout. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Bible says you overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's already been taken care of. And by the word of your testimony. So turn around and tell at least four or five people, I am headed for my greatest financial breakthrough. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And give the Lord another good shout of praise. Amen. Amen and amen.